to me, okay, to me. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can f make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some f really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, not that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if it... If it is a sport, now now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, yeah. you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, no rules. with no rules, real fighting. well then, baby, you better train every part of your body. What's up, Penn Nation? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. We're back again with another great episode. This is episode 117, and we have four awesome guests. First up, we're going to be joined by UFC flyweight champion coming off a sensational knockout win over the weekend in Ottawa. Of course, I'm talking about Valentina Shevchenko. We're going to catch up with her about the big win, discuss what's next, and a whole lot more. Then coming up after Valentina, finally got him back on the show. Good friend of BJPenn.com radio, the one and only Gamebred himself, Jorge Masvidal. We caught up with Gamebred on a whole bunch of stuff, discussed the upcoming grappling match with Anthony Pettis this weekend, the looming showdown with Ben Askren, on July 6th, and a whole lot more. He's going to hit us with a three-piece and a soda, and he's going to glide up on out of here. Then next up, after Game Bread, we'll be joined by the underground king, Eddie Alvarez. He prepares to take on Edward Fola-Yang in one championship on August 2nd in Manila. We're going to catch up with him about that. We're going to catch up with Eddie about that. We're going to discuss the injury he sustained in his promotional debut, the fantastic weight-cutting protocols with one championship, and a whole lot more. And then finally, closing out the show, number one featherweight in the UFC, the rightful number one contender, if you ask yours truly, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. We're going to recap his win over Jose Aldo, discuss getting snubbed by the UFC as they decided to book Frankie Edgar against Max Holloway. We'll get his predictions for that matchup and a whole lot more. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Let's jump right into it. Kicking things off, UFC flyweight women's champion, Valentina Shevchenko. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the bullet is back on BJ Penn Radio. Please welcome to the show yet again, UFC flyweight champ, Coming off a sensational knockout win 
last weekend in Ottawa, the one and only Valentina Shevchenko. Pleasure as always to be speaking with you, Valentina. Where are you calling us from today? Thank you so much. Uh, We are back uh, at our home. We are in Las Vegas right now. Very good. The reason I ask is I know you're a very nomadic person and that you love to travel. So I was wondering, what's the next place on your on your list of places to see? <laughs> right now, uh, we are planning to go to China for the grand opening of UFCPI in Shanghai. So this is our next destination, China. Awesome. Have you been there before? Uh, in Shanghai, no. I've been in different cities of China, Beijing, and different like other uh, cities. But Shanghai is gonna be first uh, first time. That's awesome. Any plans to head back to uh, Kyrgyzstan and celebrate the incredible victory? <laughs> For now, it's difficult to say, but you never know what can wait you in like uh, in twenty four hours. <laughs> Very true. I had read today that you received a call from the president of Kyrgyzstan. Uh, to congratulate you. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was uh, right after the victory in the same night, and it was literally like few minutes after the fight, and uh, I was doing some media stuff, um, like post-fight conference, and he, right at that moment, he called me, he congratulated me, he said that whole country, they was looking at the fight, and he, they are very happy, and the whole government, they was looking at the fight. So it was very... Um, very nice to hear him and of course it's like uh, the best what can happen right and I had read that uh, some ladies were crying in the background I mean that's how joyous they were for your victory huh yes it's true it's true it's so like uh, unbelievable what's what's happening in there (laughs) that's got to be very humbling Ah, yes, you know, it's like, um, I'm, because I'm training every time, like, uh, for them to make um, them proud of me, and, like, I've got to make a good fight, good show for all fans who are watching the fight, and, of course, when you're uh, getting this kind of reaction, it's very, very nice, and it's, uh, how I, every time i saying, it's kind of motivation for uh, keeping, like, the same hard trainings and try to be successful. Absolutely. Now, there was a video of you returning to your home country after you'd won the title, and it seems to me like you're a hero back home. Uh, I know you're obviously very proud of that. Do you feel like you're kind of carrying the country on your back when you go out there to compete now? (laughs) Uh, It's um, it's like uh, I've been very last time in my home country eight years ago and our like recent travel it was just one week and of course like all Kyrgyzstan people they are huge fans of UC of martial arts and we have our uh, national sport it's like MMA uh, named Kulatu in this uh, every person they can go to the uh, Institute of Physical Culture and uh, they can uh, learn it from there and have uh, their profession as a coach and that's why every every person, every single man he was doing martial arts and that's why they very respect UC and they were very happy to see the UC belt like personally. <laughs> right and, and to know one of their countrymen or Countrywoman, rather, has that title. Uh, That's interesting, though. So the national sport is, in fact, mixed martial arts. It's 
true. It's true, of course. It's, uh, you know, every time when it was uh, competition, some professional fights or like uh, even now, for example, um, every um, championship, like national championship, they have like huge amount of participants and uh, children, adults, girls, boys. And it's every time around like... Uh, I don't know, 400, 700 participants there was, uh, they are competing there. That's why it's very nice to know that uh, this sport is number one over there. Right, and and you mentioned uh, children competing. There must be a ton of little girls back home that look up to you and want to be just like Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> yes, uh, recently uh, I received a video from my mom. She uh, was like held in a Kyrgyzstan national championship and uh, one of the days was competing like very very young girls and uh, maybe like six uh, seven years old full of ammunition helmet gloves elbow pads knee pads shin guard and was like going for it and going with so hard and like trying to do to show their art but you know in the same time it's very serious because they know exactly what they are doing, what they want to do, and what is the goal for them. It was not like some of it, they don't understand what they are doing. It's like completely understanding with a lot of uh, like dedication to do it, and it's very nice to watch it because uh, you, you know that our future, future generation is growing and it's a little bit stronger than us, and it's very nice to know it. Right, right. I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, at such a young age, they're already uh, performing at such a high level and taking it so seriously. I, I agree with you 100%. The next generations are only going to be that much better. But do you think you could possibly bring the UFC to Kyrgyzstan and headline an event there in the future? Oh, it would be so great. It would be like dream fight over there because I know whole country will travel to the capital to watch this event and everybody would be very exciting. So I hope that in the future we will get this, we will receive this chance. Absolutely. Has the UFC ever talked to you about that before or? Not yet, not yet, but I hope that uh, it, it will come in soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would certainly be amazing, and I hope that it does happen. But let's uh, discuss the fight itself. What a performance, honestly. I mean, knockout of the year candidate, that's what everybody's been saying. Would you consider that an almost flawless victory? Uh, it was uh, from the beginning, you know, it was like um, everything that I wanted and uh, from the very first kick, uh, for example, when I saw it uh, came through and uh, she get it and she received it and she feels that it hurt, I knew that it's going to be, it's not one, uh, not going to be all five rounds, full fight. That's why it was like body-body uh, and the final kick, it was head. That's why it's like, it's not the same kind, for example, when you are uh, throwing a kick just for a point. No, because you are throwing it with full power to make person to react properly. That's why when you are changing direction, he uh, she's still reacting because she knows that uh, she has to protect because it's going to hurt. And that's why in the same moment you change direction it's, uh, and it came more like certainly more uh, accurate to the where you are throwing it. Yeah, you know, you make a great point there. Uh, uh, Boss Rutan has always said that exact thing. If you're going to throw to the body, throw with all your power so that that time when you went when you go to set it up to the head, 
and they think it's coming to the body, they want to block it because they know it's coming full power. Uh, you know, obviously masterful technique by you. What kind of game plan were you expecting from Jessica? Uh, same that she was uh, telling all the time that she's going to use like uh, a lot of wrestling, a lot of grappling. I was ready for it. And in the same time, I watched her fight and she was using a lot of boxing. So I was ready for it as well. So I prepared for all kind of uh, situation what I can possibly get in the fight. That's why I was ready for anything. Yeah, you certainly dominated on the ground as well. You set up the head kick beautifully with the kicks to the liver early on, as we just talked about. She uh, she was clearly outclassed standing and, and, and on the ground as well, and it seemed like she knew that right from the beginning. Did you expect a little more resistance from Jessica? Uh, you know, it's very difficult to say because she was trying, but it's uh, difficult to try with someone who's managing the distance uh, like good because I know that I don't want to go just like uh, crazy exchanging because it's not uh, not the way of what I want. And I just uh, try to uh, put onto her my game and she was trying to put onto me her game. And I didn't want it. That's why I uh, like uh, I did what I did because uh, for me it's number one. It's not follow the uh, what your opponent gave into you. No, it's make your game number one, and then that she's starting to like uh, uh, see the difficulties in in the fight. This is what uh, what happened in the fight. She was trying. She was trying, and but uh, I just was stronger. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you there. I mean, I, like I said, I think you, you dominated in all areas, and she knew very early on that, that she was in, in deep water fighting you. Uh, but with the knockout itself, uh, again, a beautifully placed kick, put her right to sleep. I know you were very respectful after the fight, but what was your reaction to that knockout and uh, you know how long she was unconscious? Did you get worried at all for her? Uh, you know, like, uh, right after the knockout, when it just happened, uh, you still, like, um, cannot analyze too much because you are in plenty of uh, action. You are just did it and you are, like, uh, uh, feeling good because the fight is over. You uh, get what you wanted, the victory. But, uh, yes, she was, like, um, on the floor for a few minutes. I, I don't know, maybe streaming, some kind of that. But, you know, I uh, every time knew that... Uh, there is very high quality, like medicals and all the group who attending the event, uh, doctors. That's why I knew that everything gonna be okay and everything gonna be right because uh, in these uh, like high level competitions, there is every time high level doctors. Yes, for sure. The UFC takes very good care of all, of all the athletes and the medical staff is uh, phenomenal. Now, I'm wondering, are you planning to take some time off now, or would you like to get right back in there? No, no, I'm healthy. I didn't get any injuries, so I'm feeling strong. So I, I'm ready to get right back into it. <laughs> now, there's been some talk of you fighting uh, Liz Carmouche in San Antonio on July 20th. Is there any truth to that? Has the UFC approached you with that fight? Uh, let's see. Let's see how it's turned out. Just uh, wait a little bit more days, and let's see how everything's gonna play. Okay. All right. I'll take that as it is. <laughs> going back, going back into fight camp and competing that soon—that wouldn't be a problem for you. No, no, not at all. Because uh, anyway, I will be training. I will be training 
for uh, like um, my sister's fight and uh, even she's like we are not having fight we anytime we are training that's why for me to be uh, in the training camp to be training it's normal feeling it's it's everything everything what I'm doing all my life true true uh, but you know that is a bit of a quick turnaround however at the same time like you said you came out healthy no injuries. Why not get right back in there and get another title defense and make some more money, right? Of course, of course, it's number one because uh, why? Uh, while you are here, you have to uh, like to use it because it's it's the time. It's the timing. So uh, if I'm healthy, why not? Yep. Now you, you have some history with uh, Liz Carmouche. Uh, give us your thoughts on a potential matchup with her, and obviously that's a fight that interests you. Yes, of course, it's going to be a good fight. She's a strong fighter, and um, yes, it's, it's going to be a good fight, I think so. But uh, yes, our history, it was like um, some kind of um, like medical stoppage. It's what I was dominating like all round. I was like throwing all uh, like uh, um, uh, combination with my punch. Even I took her down in the same mo- in the, this moment. I came for the leg lock, and she throw like from the ground. I was standing on my feet. She throws the heel, and it uh, landed right into my brow. <laughs> so this uh, like caused the cut. Uh, until I and the doctor decided to stop the fight. This is this. It was not the way I was planned. I was ready to continue the fight, but the doctor decided different way. That's why, like, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be very, very nice fight. Yeah. So for you, uh, obviously, uh, the, the 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 doctors decided your fate in that fight. Like you said, you were winning up until that point. Uh, so this, you look at this as a good chance for redemption and erase that loss off your record. Uh, you never, you never can erase it, yeah. But you still gain another one. That's why it's. Uh, I'm here to continue my victory. I'm here to continue to be the champion, and I will never let no one to take this belt because I will train harder than any one of them. That's why yeah, it is gonna be good one, yeah. Now you said post fight that you look forward to defeating everyone in your division. And a lot of people feel that you are really in a league of your own at 125 pounds, myself included, not taking anything away from all the talented women at flyweight. But do you see anyone as a big challenge for you at this point in the division? Uh, you know, the reason why, for example, people may be uh, speaking like this, because it's still like flyweight, flyweight division, it's still uh, getting the big names with the fight. Because for now, we have uh, Bantamweight, we have Strawweight competing for a few years already in UFC. That's why everybody knows the name. But Flyweight is still in process. That's why, like, maybe, uh, like, uh, fans, they are still uh, didn't understand how, what, like, how good, uh, what good quality girls fighters they are inside of this weight class flyweight but uh, of course my goal is to be better than all of them and that's why I'm training hard but uh, how I said before and I will continue to uh, repeat it that I think the future of like female MMA in UC is behind the flyweight division so you feel that in a couple of years given some more time to build up the division 
there will be plenty of, of big-name contenders for you and plenty of great fights going forward. Of course, yes, because it's no, a normal process. When, for example, strawweight or bantamweight just created, anyone didn't know, like, maybe one name or two names, the maximum. Now they have the stars, their own stars. They have, like, a respectable fighter. Everybody knows their names. It's going to happen with all, all uh, weight classes. And 125, it's going to happen in a few a few times uh, in front of us. So it's the normal process where it's taken just a little bit time. Yep, no, you're absolutely correct. It is a process, and uh, I do believe that there will be plenty of uh, great talent coming up in the division. But again, for the time being, I mean, it looks like you are the queen, uh, you know, for the, <laughs> for the foreseeable future. That being said, I know you've said that, uh, moving back up to fight Amanda Nunez again is something that you expect to happen, but I'm wondering how soon do you see that maybe in the near future, or are you strictly focused on defending the 125 pound title for the immediate future? For now, I want to fight in 125 because I was waiting for so long to fight in, in my uh, natural weight class. All, all uh, my UC career, I was fighting with heavier girls, uh, like uh, longer arms, uh, who was like bigger than me. And now, finally, I have the chance to fight with the same size opponent as me. That's why I want to. I I'm planning to defend my belt for uh, like uh, as much as I can right now. But in the future, let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, knowing how close your fights with uh, Amanda were and seeing how dominant she's been and how dominant you have been, you know, most people would say that you were probably her toughest matchup going forward. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how everything will will going to play in the future because she's uh, still like have uh, a fight in front of her. But I will do everything that it's uh, um, what I can to be the toughest match for everyone. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. Uh, having fought them both, uh, who are you picking between Amanda and Holly? It's difficult to pick when two fighters of high level uh, meeting each other because you never know what to expect from this fight. It can be from one side to other side, same uh, person, same amount of percentage. So, uh, but personally, I will be rooting for Holly Holm because I very um, like her style as an uh, athlete, how she's like, uh, how she's been in uh, martial arts, what she's thinking about, about martial arts, how she's taken victories and losses, and uh, that, that's why I think she's very good athlete, and in this fight, I will be on her side. So you, you appreciate how she represents martial arts? Of course, yes. Of course, yes. And I think uh, a lot of people will, will join me. Now, obviously, like you said, you, you're, you're focused on defending your title. But we see all of these athletes going after a second title. How cool would it be for you to become a champion in multiple weight classes? And is that a goal for you down the line? Maybe, maybe. We will not discard now any possibilities in the future. But how I said for now, um, 125 for me. And let's see, let's see. We will never say no for nothing, for nothing. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Never, never say never. That's the truth. Now, uh, regardless of what comes next for you, I know your future is bright and everyone is looking forward to your next fight. How many more times would you like to compete this year? 
as much as I can. I don't have a number, so I just feel if I'm ready, I'm ready. And if my opponent's ready, like, uh, so let's do it. I hope as many times as I can. That's why I'm ready for, uh, if I'm healthy, I'm ready for it. Now, in the meantime, I'm, I'm sure you'll be training, traveling, and, and shooting some guns, right? Of course. It's number one. It's every time what we are doing during all our lives, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, as always, Valentina, you've been more than generous with your time. We greatly appreciate it. In conclusion, for all the fans out there, what can they expect from you from the remainder of 2019 and beyond? And, uh, you know, should we expect to see you fight Liz Carmouche on July 20th? I hope so. Let's see how it's everything going to play out. And uh, I just will continue my martial arts uh, way, my martial arts life, to do what I love the most. And martial arts for me is my lifestyle, everything. And I just will do uh, everything as best as I can to uh, bring good fights for all fans of UFC or fans of MMA and just to make them happy. Well, I'll tell you what, every time you go out there, you certainly make all of us happy here at BJPenn.com and so many fans across the world. Incredible performance again on Saturday. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yes, I just want to thank you, uh, to say thank you to all my sponsors who are supporting me. It's uh, Brownells with the support of ammunition and guns. That's why I, every time I have no any problem to go and uh, shoot in a range and like to throw and to train myself to uh, betting company very much, uh, to uh, Boot, Boot Barn, the Western Wear uh, here store in Las Vegas. So uh, it's very uh, great to have them all like uh, uh, together with me and uh, like looking forward for um, just working with them and enjoy our cooperation. Absolutely. Listen, uh, thanks again, Valentina. I hope we can catch up again soon. Safe travels and safe shooting, and I hope you have a great night. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. You too. Have a very good day. Thank you very much. For all of you that caught the pay-per-view broadcast this weekend, Joe Rogan had mentioned something about Valentina being an assassin. And quite frankly, that is the truth. She's cold, calculated, and my goodness, is she a killer? As we talked about there, it's very hard to imagine someone that can defeat her at this point in time. I very much look forward to the possibility, or likelihood rather, of Valentina moving back up to challenge Amanda Nunez yet again. But until then, let's enjoy the brilliance that is Valentina Shevchenko in competition. So again, big thanks to Valentina, big thanks to her manager Roger as well, but let's keep it rolling like we always do. Coming up next, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, finally returning to BJPenn.com Radio, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Alright, Penn Nation, I am very happy to finally welcome back to the show one of our all-time favorite guests. He's going to hit us with some answers and then slide up out of here in typical Gamebred fashion. Of course, I'm talking about Jorge Masvidal. It's been a while, Gamebred. How have you been, man? I've been great. Just doing the usual, kicking butts, 
getting better at what I do every day, sharpening my tool, taking a backseat to nobody, you know? Absolutely, man. Now, last time we spoke was right around when the fight with Till had been announced. A lot has happened since then, but I'd like to catch up with you a bit first. <clears throat> you had told me before traveling to England that you took great pleasure in taking the air right out of an arena in a hostile environment, much like you did with Cowboy. You did exactly that with the knockout of Darren. How did it feel to make thousands of fans screaming go silent in an instant? I love it. I get this question a lot, and uh, it's, uh, it's a rare feeling, you know? To feel all that uh, hostility towards you, like you said, which actually I, I was surprised. I thought I'd feel a lot more hostility coming into England. I really didn't get that much hostility prior to the fight. Like the fans, when I'd bump into them, you know, if I was grabbing a bite to eat or something, they were just amazing, man. So knowledgeable. And and I had a lot of fans over there, to tell you the truth. And not just fans like, oh, I've seen this one fight. No, like these people were talking about strike force fights and fights that, that most common folk don't, don't know about, you know. So it was very... It's very shocking to me, especially being in another country that people know about me so much in detail. It was, it was very humbling. So, uh, but still, you get the negativity, you know. Yeah, I mean, not negativity, but you get the, they're, they're cheering for the home guy. They're, they're from England. They're going to cheer for their boy, you know. So, it, it, to take that away, it's, it's always a great feeling, man. I've done that more than uh, on one, two, or three occasions. I've done that a good amount of times, and it's an amazing feeling, man. I love it, man. Yeah, and it's pretty cool to hear that the the popularity of Gamebred knows no bounds in regards to, you know, it, it sounds like you're international now, man. Oh, yeah. The, the, the rumors have gone galactic. You know, they know me in other planets for kicking ass. <laughs> I got a kick out of the pre-fight interview you guys did where Darren said he was going to come forward and knock you out. You just smiled at him and said, let's do it. Yeah, you know, you've always maintained that you prefer to fight the guys that actually bring the action, but it's almost like you knew the outcome right then and there. How confident were you going into that fight? I'm I'm confident in every single fight that I step in the cage. But with Darren, it was uh it was one of those things where there there's a big chance that I could get hurt. And there's also a big chance I could hurt him and, and you know, I'm I'm a great counterfighter. I could fight in the pocket. So those are things that I got going for me. Till's got good speed, good timing, and, and a shit ton of size, you know, and he's got good power in both hands. So I, I knew it was a fight that it, that if I wasn't 100% sharp, I could definitely get hurt. But the, the reason why the, the fight was so awesome is because Till fights, man. He's, he's putting himself in, in harm's way to cause harm, you know? He's got good defense and stuff, but to, to land the shots that he gets and as freaking as he's in somebody's face... He's putting himself in, in those spots that a lot of people don't want to do that, you know? They just want to get their hand raised somehow, some way. This guy wants to hurt people, take him out and be and and and, and let people know, man, I, I this guy wasn't in my league, you know. So I know when somebody comes to fight me like that, it's a fight, man. And that's where I thrive and that's my environment. You know, a lot of a lot of people, the, the ones that know me, they know how well I could fight in the pocket and things like that, knew that this was not gonna be an easy fight for Till, whether I had been out for a year coming up a weight class, whatever they want to say, they knew the people that know me know I could fight, man. If we're talking about fighting, you could always count me in. Absolutely. And, and like you said in the pocket there, <clears throat> obviously he, he landed uh, he landed the shot that knocked you down, whether it was a slip or not, early on in the fight. But uh, from watching at home, you could see that in the pocket, man, you were inches away from taking him out on multiple occasions before that punch, the punch that put him out landed. Uh, like you're saying, though, that I mean, that was the game plan. You knew that you would be able to catch him on the inside like that. 
Yeah, I knew, you know, I, I just also feel that uh that I'm more well rounded until I could I could go for takedowns, I could switch it up, I can kick well, I could punch well, I got knees, I got elbows, I, I've been fighting for a long time, you know. So it's relatively still young compared to a guy like me, which is another reason why why I give the guy props. He just wants to fight, man. He he knew the type of fight that he was gonna get into before he signed the contract. So for him to sign that contract, it, it uh it speaks a lot about him. There's a lot of guys that don't wanna fight me and and it's not because, you know, I don't take showers and I smell bad. It's because <laughs> I people, you know? Right, right. Now, everything after the fight is all well documented. The the famous three-piece in the soda, that became an overnight hit, and you gained a ton of popularity from it. I honestly, though, I, I saw it as an instance of where keeping it real paid off big time. I'm sure you'd agree with that, but do you feel like you've uh, really blown up since that incident? Yeah, and, and, and different things, yeah, like a lot of the... As they were called the casual fans, I think took a took a hold of me, and I guess just uh, they like the free violence that they get out after, you know. Um, it kind of sucks in a way, and it's awesome in a way because it did gave me a lot of popularity. But I was away from my performance, which is all that I was concentrating on. Right. That whole training for my whole life, it came down to this fighting moment. So then have this hooligan try to steal my spotlight while I'm doing an interview and just. Just be a punk, man. That's basically what it comes down to, you know. And then he ended up getting famous too, you know. Though he's in the in the wrong end of the fame, but he still ends up getting his name out there. People know him, and whether they side with me or side with him, he's in the conversation. And that's something that I didn't like, you know. Like I didn't want to make that guy not one inch more famous, you know. And the reason is that we perform and we go out in, in, in the cage and, and put her all. When you put a shitty performance, ain't nobody talking about you. Don't don't come trying to steal my interview time now. Don't 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 get up on my face all week long talking shit, you know. And uh, and then cry victim, you know. Then say it's assault and this and that. When you put your hands up, you're you're all up in my interview. I, I wasn't doing it on his interview. I wouldn't even care to go in, in the guy's interview or nothing like that, you know. So it just uh, it rubs me the wrong way. Even though I did get a lot of exposure of it, you know, it's it's still like uh, it doesn't sit well for me that this guy got any type of. Uh, how the how these youngsters now say clout? Is that correct? Is that how right, I said right. it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I know, I know what you're saying, man. You got to take the good with the bad. But one thing I'd like to point out is that something you said to me on the show the last time we spoke, when I asked you about Leon, you had said to me that when you see him, he's going to be held accountable for everything that he had been saying before the fight, and you know, for months he'd been talking shit, calling you out. I don't think people realize just how fed up you were with the guy before all that happened. No, yeah, I was I was a little fed up because uh, I mean I don't know this guy has a real fucked up perspective on the world you know for starters that's how PC did with Dan Hardy where Dan Hardy uh, asked him walk walk us through what happened and I mean the guy's the guy's a complete retard you know he's he's straight up lying on camera he says something that I that I told him shut up no he told me shut up all I said was maybe maybe not you know he asked me you want to find your line and right then and there when he asked me in a, in my interview. Me as a person, that's enough to already like, yo, man, calm the fuck down. I'm doing my interview. Wait for your interview and do your thing. This is my time to shine. I just won a, a fight, you know, got fight of the night, got knockout of the night. Don't don't try to steal my light like that. That's super disrespectful to me, you know. But this guy does that. And, and I have the decency and, and I'm such a good human being at times that I actually give this guy an answer and I tell him maybe, maybe not. And he should have been left at that. He had nothing more to say to me after that. And he goes on with the shut up, but he flips it around. He wants to play like this victim role, and it's just really bothering me 
this victim role that he's taking because everywhere he's at, he can't just be a man and, and, and say what he did. It's on video. Like, you're an idiot, man. You said shut up. It could be heard on, on the audio if they play it back and they, and they put it loud. You clearly tell me shut up after all I said is maybe, maybe not. And, uh, well, dude, man, yeah. I don't know, man. He <laughs> well, took, I mean, like a the, the, to, to stick with what you're talking about here, you know, you, you approached him. Your hands were behind your back. You, you know, you didn't approach him in a violent manner at all. And from what I saw, and based on what you said, you know, he kind of got into into fight mode there. Like you were saying, talking some shit, uh, puffing out his chest, that kind of thing. I mean, I know where you come from. That's, uh, you know, you're asking for a fight at that point, right? You're asking for a fight. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I'm not going to be the one with a black eye after after an incident like that. I'll, I'll give it the black eye rather than get it, you know, especially if you're the one looking for it. I've never mentioned this guy into my in my life. You know, he's the one that called me out. Then after calling me out because I was very close to getting the Nick Diaz fight, which obviously I'd rather fight Nick Diaz than this. Than, who is this guy again? He's still not in the top 10, you know? Um, and he's calling me all types of names and stuff like, man, all right, cool, bro. You know, we'll we'll have our day. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll have to fucking, you know, make amends with what you said to me. Right, right. And uh, that day came, and probably he didn't he didn't like the outcome of it now, you know. And it, you know what's really pissing me off is that he keeps talking about it and making himself a victim. I didn't. There, nobody could say I, I've said it on the interview, so I kind of like crucify myself by saying that I've been a That's not a sucker punch. And when I talk about a sucker punch, I'm talking about an environment that's a little wilder than a UFC backstage arena, because that's not a wild environment. Nobody has a gun or a knife there. I'm not worried about none of these fucking idiots. I'm, uh, I'm talking about a different place where guys do have weapons on them and you got to fucking punch your way out of there or end up in a hospital. That's not going to happen to me. So people think that that's a sucker punch. I'm face to face with the guy and he puts his hands up before I throw the punch. He's already like putting his hands up. That's not a sucker punch. That's me handling the business. Me fucking addressing you as a man and you being a punk about it and then him playing this victim role. My goodness, man. This guy should have like a fucking a channel on oxygen, like a lifetime fucking uh, one of those... Uh, women network things and he could go on there and fucking voice his opinion what a victim he is and shit like that you know because it, it's, it's just real coward shit how do you and what society is he living in that you're gonna talk shit about somebody it's documented all the shit he's talked about disrespect me in my interview and then say he's he's the victim in this whole role you know it's it's crazy and he's there with, with a group of people because you could see on the video i'm there by myself right. didn't give three who he was with i'd give a fuck less if, if i saw him right now and he's with his a crew of hooligans i'd still address him the same way don't care what the outcome is you know i mean right. i've been in much less in my life than than this dude and his his posse of of hooligans you know right absolutely and to and to stick with what you're saying there i would agree with you 100 percent. i've run with some uh you know less than savory characters in my life and i would say that a sucker punch is when you blindside a dude in a crowd he doesn't even see you come in and you crack him, you know what I mean? That's that, that was no sucker punch. He knew that there, something could have popped off right then and there. But all of that led to you saying at the post-fight presser that, that you're tired of the trash talk tactics and the fakeness of promotion in the game today. That, of course, being something you and I have talked about at length. But with all that happened in England and all the added popularity you've gained since, do you feel like you finally have the power to make some change in the sport? Like, be the ambassador of, of, of genuine ass kickers, if you will? Uh, yes and no. You know, I mean, I, I have a, a small group of people that I can touch. And it, to me, it's not like talking smack is bad, you know, because I'm you ask my, my, my training partners, my sparring partners. I do it on a day-to-day at the gym. 
you know, but we do it from like a sport competitive, like you're slow, I'm faster than you, things like that. When it starts getting personal or, or you're assaulting somebody's character or their manhood, things like that, their religion, their wife, kids, that to me is is petty, man. Like you just you're, you're willing to say anything to get a buzz. You're just throwing shit on the wall and hoping it sticks, you know, and that's kind of corny, you know, because uh I mean, fuck, we do have a soul, and, and this is not forever. You're going to be done fighting one day, and, and, and what? You just you were just some punk that just ran around talking shit, building your way into a fight instead of fighting. Like, for example, Sejudo talks a lot, and, he, and a lot of people don't like it, but I, I love his shit, man. The, the dude backs it up, man. He's fucking, he tells people, I'm Olympic champion. I'm the 125 champion. I beat the dopest 125er. These are things that he did, you know? He's a 135 champion. He's, he's creating all this pressure himself, but... It's deserving, you know. The guy's going out there and doing this stuff, and he's not really insulting his opponents so much that I see. He's not like uh, attacking their character or their soul, you know. A lot of these other guys, uh, like that hooligan is, is from England, he's just running his mouth, man. hasn't hasn't beat no top ten guy yet, but he deserves. He, in his mind, he should be fighting for a title for millions of dollars, you know. It just you, you look at his whole body of work, and you're like, bro, you're fucking out of your mind. What the fuck have you even done, bro? You know. Right, really, it's just crazy that we're even talking about him right now. He got what he wanted, and that's what bothers me. You know, like right. that, that we're even talking about him on his because there's still many of my fans that never even heard of this guy. They might just find out who this moron is. That's why I don't mention a lot of these guys' names, anyways. You know. Right. Well, I know, I know we've talked about it before, man. There's been many a time you've told me I'd rather not even mention the guy's name. So we'll we'll leave it at that. But either way, you've shown the world yet again that you're not to be trifled with. And from what I've seen, you sold a shitload of t-shirts along the way, right? We're working on it. It's a work in progress. You know, there's a there's a lot of bootleg ones out there. <laughs> so if you are trying to get the shirt, get it from from Gamebird Official, because man, them bootleg shirts popped out before I got back to Miami. Them bootleg shirts were already being sold. You know, so many of them actually. Went, by the time I got back to Miami, true story, I go grab a bite to eat, and uh, a fan comes up to me. Yo, bro, I love you. Fight fucking in England, man. I'm literally one of your biggest fans. I'm like, oh, man, thank you for the love. I'm from Miami, just like you, man. I got a three-piece uh, and a soda shirt from me and my mom. That's how much I love you. And I go, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> what you mean? He goes, what, what do you mean? These ain't your shirts? And he showed me the website. I'm like, motherfuckers, man. It's crazy at the speed that they move at, you know? It's The, the, the bootlegging is real, man. Uh, well, it's always been that way. CDs, you name it. I mean... That, that that's the way of the hood right yeah, yeah it's fucking nuts you know you're trying to earn a, a decent dollar and they they're fucking you got to fight for it literally man i mean it's tougher than fighting in the cage fighting these bootleggers you know <laughs> so looking ahead now though you, you've got a big fight coming up and a pretty interesting grappling match this weekend first with the grappling match though against against uh, anthony pettis how did this come about and you know what piqued your in- interest most about uh hitting the mat with showtime well, I like to grapple, so uh, I've, I've been wanting to grapple for a while, and uh, I really hadn't told too many people about it, and my manager's kind of hit me up, he's like, hey, this charity reached out to me, they're putting together a card, you know, and first they told me what, what, what it's going to, and that's to get, like, uh, kids from troubled areas, not such great areas, they can't afford the gym, they put them in the gym, they buy the membership, they, they just give them something to do, and Man, I was instantly sold, you know. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I gotta be a part of that, bro." If that's if this is what's going on, I count me in, you know. 
So then my manager started looking at who I could possibly grapple. And then Anthony Pettis came up. I was like, wow, perfect. You know, I thought I'd be grappling against like a straight, straight grappler or something. And it might not generate the same type of buzz, but against Pettis, which is a known, known fighter. And he's a stud grappler. I mean, he submitted some tough guys that are not, that are not easy to submit. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun, man. I'm going to have a blast. Absolutely. And that, that's pretty cool that, I mean, it, that, that sounds like that charity, that's definitely something, you know, near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I can't uh, I can't not be a part of it. And I think when a lot of other fighters find out about it, I, I think it'll just be like a trend of a lot of guys just competing and give back. It's a it's a way I could give back. That is so amazing, you know, because, man, this is what I do on a regular day. I'm going to grapple for 10 minutes. I do that every day times 10, you know. Right. So what now? I might, even if it's just one membership and one kid that goes to the gym, whether he loses weight or he stays out of trouble and he gets a little something out of it, that's, that's more than enough for me, you know? Right. Mission accomplished right then and there. Is this a sub only competition or? Say it again. Is this a sub only or? Yeah, it's uh 10 minutes. And if there's no submission scored, it's declared a draw. They kept it real simple, real basic. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. You know, we're just going to go out there and compete. Right. Absolutely. My first thought was, you know, not only is it a great show and a great cause for you uh, and a great show for the fans, but, you know, to watch you guys roll. But it's also a great way to help sharpen up those skills for the fight with Ben Askren next month. Was that a contributing factor for you at all? Better, uh, I think, is completely different than Ben because Ben is not like a submission dude, especially off his back. Pettis has has good submissions off his back. Uh, he's not the not the best wrestler, but he can grapple, you know, good. So I, I just think it's just, just I just see it as like a practice round in, in the gym that's going to be recorded and televised, you know. It'll right. just be another 10-minute go at the gym, you know. Right, right, right. Now, is this something you could see yourself doing again going forward? Oh, definitely, definitely, you know. I like I like the whole idea. Um, I'll test myself again, whether it be with a UFC fighter that's a good grappler or a straight grappler. We'll, we'll test the waters after this one, see how it works out. If, uh, if I'm able to get kids to, to go to the gym because of this, bro, I'm sold, man. I, I, I'll be doing this because, like I said, to me, it's not like like hard work. This is what I do every day for me to grapple. So me to wrestle all day long, it's, it's no biggie. Now, I'm just going to do it for 10 minutes. Let's do it, you know? Right. Another day at the office, and, and there's a huge benefit to somebody on the other side. So you could pro- you'd probably do this a few times a year then. Oh, definitely. If, if, if it's going the way we think and we're helping out, I'm doing it, and I'm telling you, I think it's a lot of the fighters, especially the ones that got a lot of pool and stuff. They'll they'll see the project, they'll get behind it, and just uh, move forward. You know. Awesome, man. Very cool stuff. Uh, but speaking of this looming showdown with Ben, how is your training camp been going so far, man? Oh, amazing, amazing. I got a lot of I got a lot of studs grappling with me on, on the day to day. I got great coaching, Mola Wall, Steve Michael, Mike Brown. I mean, these guys are are heavy on me, man. They're making sure that everything is fine tuned and perfect and ready to go, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't ask, I couldn't put together in my mind a better squad of, of people to guide me in my grappling guys have been around my career the whole time. Uh, Mo's a full-time coach now, but Mo's been fighting alongside of me for a while. So he knows my skill set. Mike Brown knows my skill set. Steve Michael knows my skill set. Each and every one of these guys I've known for five years plus, and uh, Mike Brown actually a lot longer, you know, Mo as well. So they know what I'm capable of doing and what I'm not. So they've made a uh, they've made a nice game plan based on what I could do, based on what Ben could do. We're just gonna go out there and execute, eliminate this dude off the face of the earth, and that's it, man. 
Right. Now you mentioned uh, King Mo moving to a, a full time, uh, full time coaching coaching uh, for ATT. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, obviously his record speaks for himself, for itself, his uh, his wrestling credentials as well. But following his retirement, it sounds like that's going to be his full time gig is coaching at ATT. Man, I said this a long ass time ago. I said uh, when Mike Brown started coaching full time. And I don't know what show I said it on, but I said it in an interview, I go, our, our team is going to hit new new heights, new levels of greatness. I think it, it goes without question saying that we're the greatest team on planet Earth right now. The numbers that we're doing on the regular, how many guys we got in every division, the champions that we got, it speaks volumes, not just the athletes, but the great coaches that we have there. I think Mo is going to take us to another level. He's going to take us a little further, more champions, more great fighters, you know, and Steve Mako as well. I mean, it, the, it, it's a sick lineup of, of guys that have tremendous experience, no fucking ego whatsoever, and they're just there to work. I mean, Mo gets on the mat every day with somebody wrestles as, as well as Steve Mako. Mike Brown's on the mat six, seven hours a day grappling with guys or striking with them or whatever it takes to get him better, you know. So it's it's almost like we, we found the system hack. We, we it, It's it's almost cheating at this point. <laughs> Well, I, I, I definitely agree that I, I think that, you know, all the best coaches have, have a ton of fight experience. So so guys like Mike and, and King Mo, having them around you constantly working with you, that, that's only beneficial to everybody on the team. But uh, Askren is a guy who talks quite a bit and has had plenty to say about everyone on the division since joining the UFC. A lot of people feel like he got lucky against Robbie Lawler and that fight should have been run back. All of that being said, did you jump at the opportunity to get in there with yet another guy who talks a lot of shit and show him how the OGs get down? Or was this more of an opportunity to get you closer to the title? Combination of both. How did you see it? Uh, man, combination of many things. I uh, I want to break Ben's face on a personal note, you know. I want to want to hurt the dude, man. But I want to, like, take him out early. I want to just beat his ass for as long as I can, you know, beat him an inch within his life and then let him recover and then do that again as many times as I can so that I utterly break him, you know. So, uh, you know, I met Ben a long time ago, and he's just one of these dudes that, that just talks, man. You know, uh, he goes to a gym and he'll talk about a session that he had with somebody. Like, man, you got no respect for yourself or your fucking teammates, shit like that but it's, it's it's the new age shit like we've talked about you know these guys will say anything to get a like on facebook to get a repost on twitter they'll say anything they'll sell their mother out they had to just to get to ignite that buzz you know and it's corny you know i'm glad i'm i'm, I'm the dude that gets to break his face so you see it as like we were talking about he is like the epitome of these kind of guys that are that really get under your skin in the game today He's the epitome of, yeah, he's one of those dudes. He's just talking. He's, he's, he's so irrelevant. He tries to make himself relevant by just talking. He's just constantly talking, 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 talking. And uh, we're going to see, man, what that talking leads to July 6th, you know? Right. Now, the wrestling style of Ben might not be very exciting for the casual fan, but I think, I think a lot of people would agree that he's a very talented wrestler and a tough fight for a lot of guys. Give us your thoughts on how you guys match up stylistically. I'm going to break his will first. That, that's the first thing I'm going to do, you know. He's a dude that likes to pride himself on his will. I'm going I'm to for the rest of his life because I'm going to break his will. And then after that, I'm going to break his face, you know. I'm going to hurt him. I, I, I want to hurt this dude. I want to wanna have fun like I've always had fun in there. <laughs> I just can't wait, man. So you see it as 
you see this as uh, you stop those takedowns, he gets real frustrated, and, and that's what you want. You want to be able to frustrate him before you put him away or rather, you know, uh, punish him for 15 minutes. That's what I want to do. Punish him for 14 minutes and, like, 50 seconds is what I want to do and then and then put the poor dog out of his misery, you know? Right. <laughs> now, do you, do you look at Ben as the same way you look at it, like, with Leon? Like, if you run into him backstage and he starts talking, can we expect to get another combo meal for, for Askren as well? If, if if Ben violates my personal space at any moment to where I feel threatened, yeah, it's going to happen. It's the same thing happened with Leon. If Leon's across the room and I'm not doing an interview and he's talking shit, well, whatever, man, fuck it. You know, you're at a safe distance. But it, it's just people got to understand it's built into me to go into defense mode. If somebody violates my personal space, because I, I, I don't know, as well as I could read body language, I really don't know what somebody's intentions are. Right. I don't know if he's going to come over and be like, oh, man, <laughs> boom roasted, you know, or some some corny ass shit like that, or he's <laughs> going to try to double flip me. So I, I don't know these things. So as long as he keeps his distance from me, ain't going to be no problems. You know, if, if he's at a distance where I'm unsafe and I feel threatened, you know, yeah, things will happen. All right. So Askren's ranked one behind you at number five. Does a dominant win over him, does that set you up for a title shot in your opinion? You know it, man. I mean, I, I don't think they could find another. You know, I think I easily could have fought for the title after the tilt fight. Uh, a current champion and his manager agreed. So what, one more validation what I needed the current champion and his manager saying that should be next to the title. I, I know. You know, plus you look at my body of work, not just on, on that fight with Till, but just my overall body of work would say, yeah, but, you know, let's let's solidify that. Let's uh, let's take all the bullshit out of the equation. Let's get Ben out of there so there's no there's no nothing about it. There's just, yep, Masvidal's the most deserving dude at 170 pounds for the next title shot. Right, right. And like you said, the body of work, everything you've done over your career, you're, I mean, I think you're long overdue for a title shot, in my opinion. But is there anybody else on the hit list after Askren, aside from getting that title? The reason I ask is uh, with Nate Diaz coming back at 170, I'm sure you'd be very excited at the idea of having a good old-fashioned dogfight with him, considering you couldn't get one with his brother. Oh, I definitely would love to, man. Nate's a warrior. He's going to get in there and fight. You know, that, there's no question about it. He's going to just fight. I don't, I don't know if if Nate is I, – I haven't done my homework. Is he a 70-pounder or is he doing this because Pettis is a 55-er and, and they both just agreed to to fight at 70 and not cut the weight so they could give it all the, the fight night, you know, and both of them just go in there and, and give it they got in, in the fight instead of cutting weight. So I don't know if Nate is, uh, is a long-time 70-pounder now or what's happening, you know. But if he is, if he's staying at 70 and that fight gets offered to you, I'd love to fight Nate. I'd love to fight – Anybody that that's that's worth fighting, man, that wants to fight, that wants to put on a great show, and that's a great competitor, you know, not just somebody that just calls my name out. You know, I, I could beat Masvidal, and the guy is is not even in the fucking top ten. Get the fuck out of here. Go put your fucking dues in, man. Right. Before you start naming off people, and I would do this, and I would do that. It, we see it so much in the division. I don't want to mention a lot of guys that do it, but they talk about these super fights. Motherfucker, you haven't even won in your division a big fight, and you, you're calling out people, legends in this sport. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? You know, go put in your fucking work. Put your hard hat on. Put your mouthpiece on. Get to work. You know, stand out from your division and calling out. Uh, then you go for, like, super fights, and we're seeing that more and more, and it's fucking, it's annoying, you know? Yeah, man, everybody's chasing that huge payday. Uh, everybody sees what McGregor's been able to do, but unfortunately not a lot of guys command that kind of attention 
and and bring all that money to the table with the company. So I agree with you, man. It's a, you, definitely a lot of unwarranted super fights being called for these days. But get, getting back to the title here for a moment before we wrap this up, when you were doing a Q&A on, on Twitter after the Till fight, I believe you were on a plane. Somebody had asked you if you would fight Colby for the title, to which you replied that you'd fight your own mother for the belt. Last time I talked to Colby, I asked him about that. He said that you guys have fought so much already in training and apartment buildings and so forth for free. Of course, he'd love to throw down with you for a fat paycheck. All respect between you guys, obviously. But but it seems like it's becoming more and more of a reality. If you guys both win more fights, that you know that could that could come to fruition. You and Colby throwing down as friends for a title and a big payday. No, definitely. Um, I mean, it's not like I'm I'm looking to fight Kobe. You know, I don't. I, I'd rather not. You know, fight Kobe because uh, we 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 have a good history. You know, we fucking used to do the same exact schedule: go to the gym, go play poker, go chase chicks. You know, and then repeat the whole cycle again and back to the gym and things like that. So we we got a lot of good memories, man. But um, it, it's a sport. It's it's more than that. It's my life. It's my kids' life. There, there's nobody that you could find on this earth if they got the belt wrapped around their waist, and I'm the next guy in line of that belt that I won't fight. You know, and and that goes for for anybody. You know, I don't I don't want to fight close friends of mine, good friends of mine, people that I used to kick you with a lot. I I don't. You know, there's there's a I got a I, I got good friends at seventy and over at top team. You know, there's a couple other guys that I'm cool with, and I I don't want to fight those dudes. You know. But if it's for the belt, man, we got to do it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that uh, I'm trying to be like a dick, but I ain't backing down from nothing. I need that belt wrapped around me because that, that's what guarantees mine and my children's livelihood is me getting that belt and making this money. Absolutely. And that's the way I saw it. That's the exact sentiment that Colby had. You know, put all of it aside for an opportunity for you guys to fight for a title. He'd be more than happy to do so in a very respectful fashion. So, uh, you know, he had the same sent- sentiment as you, but uh, obviously Kamaru has said that he'd rather fight you. It seems like the UFC wants to make the Colby Kamaru fight uh, that that is looming, maybe gets announced soon. Should that fight actually get booked? How do you see Colby doing against Kamaru? I think uh, Kamaru's improved a lot from his last two performances, improved a lot. You know, I think he's, he's done leaps and bounds to where I would have thought it'd be a good easier fight for Kobe now I, I think it'll be a little tougher he's opened up more with his hands he's doing things a little bit better I still put my money on Kobe man I think uh Kobe's gas tank and, and wrestling abilities the scrambling abilities is a little better than than Kamaru you know uh Kamaru can grapple he can strike he sets up his takedowns well he puts a lot of pressure very similar to Kobe but I just think Kobe does it a little bit better you know and I think as the fight wears on Kobe's gas tank will be a little bit better than Kamal's. Yeah, I, th- I think the gas tank is, is the big factor there. Uh, I know I've mentioned this to both of you before, but the idea of you and Colby running the division be really cool to see, in my opinion. You know, two guys that have been on the grind together for years, on the top of the game together, running the show at 170. I'm sure you'd be very happy if that if that happened in the near future. No, yeah, you know, we're and, and, you know, just even more than that, it speaks of the dynasty of American top team. I mean, Robbie Lawler was the champion for for a good time defending that belt, and he was American top team when he had that belt. Right. He lost that belt to Tyron Woodley, another standout from American top team. Then uh, now Kobe is next to that belt thing. It's Kamal, and, and Kobe wins, and I fight Kobe, 
again, two top team guys that are going. So that, that belt is forever 170. But the UFC needs to do like a special piece, give ATT a belt. Not anybody in particular, but just give a 170-pound belt to an American top team and say, this is you guys' division. Because who, who else has done that ever in this sport? Oh, you're nobody. absolutely correct. I, I can't think of nobody. And people kind of take it lightly and stuff. I, I love the bracket by my gym. I love to talk about it because it's, it's a lot of good people there, and we attract, you know, guys like me, Pitbull, Mike Brown, the, the guys that were there from the beginning, we attract these future fighters that, that are a lot like us and want to give it all on fight night and go out in our shield and just fucking die out there. You know, guys like Mola Wall, all, all these guys that, that have put in the work, we attract that energy, you know, and we're also doing it in the women's side now. The women that are coming to train with us are just some mean bitches, you know, chicks that are willing to fucking die in there and, and we attract that. So I'm, I'm so proud of that, that, uh, that I love it, you know, that this belt could just be American top team again, you know, it's, it's nuts. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I hear you, man. The way it looks is regardless of, of what happens is as long as certain people win, that, that belt will stay with your team for quite some time. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, the women, I mean, you, you're on this card against Askren with your teammate, Amanda Nunes. That, I mean, that's going to be an amazing fight as well. Uh, just what she did against Cyborg was absolutely incredible. I mean, it is a house packed full of killers. Amanda's. Amanda's scary, man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was doing an interview with Dan Hardy today. And they asked me, go, you ever sparred with Amanda? And I looked at him like, man, you crazy, man. I'm not going to spar with Amanda because what what happens if she gives me like a black eye or something, man? I gotta, they'll never let me down for that. They'll be like, ah, oh, you got a black eye from, from a girl. It's not a regular girl because it's Amanda. But it's, okay, man, I mean, like I said, we got, we got some mean, mean girls down at the gym. And I love it, man. Like, I remember not too long ago, we, maybe like five, six years, we didn't have the amount of girls that we're attracting now that we're getting now. And it's, it's, and you know, steel sharp and steel, like they always say, but also the environment attracts those people. They, they see what we do when we go out to, to, to compete and we go, we're either going to win, get our hand raised, or we're going to give it all I got. And, and we keep attracting that back. And it's just so awesome. And I look around the gym. I'm one of the last old dudes, older dudes in the gym. You know, I know I don't look it, but I'm 34 years old. So when I look around the mat, all these faces are brand new. It's a new generation of just killers, man. And I love it, you know? Do you see yourself taking the kind of position like Mike Brown did or, 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 or uh, Mola Wall has, you know, when, when, when your time comes to finally hang them up, do you think you see a future of coaching at ATT for yourself? If I coach, it'll definitely be at ATT. I don't know if if I will coach or not. I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm, uh, I'm going to want to compete in something, man. I don't know if I'm going to go do CrossFit games and get paid off that or go do Ninja War. I'm, I'm going to be doing something, man, that, this competition as well as coaching because I do have a lot of love and knowledge for the sport, so I would love to pass it on. I got a couple of amateurs that I train. Uh, they've been with me for a little bit, so I'll, I'll definitely be passing on everything that I've learned in the sport. I mean, it's it's my duty to the sport, you know, right. to, to give what I know back. So I'll definitely be giving that love back. I just, I don't know if I'll be like a full-time coach, you know. I'll, I'll be in there from time to time. All right, I hear you. Listen, Game Bread, you've been more than generous with your time, man. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, first with the grappling match against Pettis this weekend, where can everybody tune in and, and what can they expect to see? Are you live? And you could expect a dog and me and Mr. Showtime himself. You know what I mean? That dude's one of the most clutch dudes in the UFC. You know, he's pulled out some wicked submissions at recent KO over Thompson. He's just a clutch dude, man, Mr. Clutch. So we're going to go out there and put in the show. 
it's for a great benefit and cause. Even if you don't like grappling, I mean, tune in because there's amateur fights involved. It's just for a great cause anyway, you know. So just tune in, and uh, I'm going to give it all I got, you know, make it exciting as I can and fucking go out in my shield and get my hand raised, you know. Right, and and do it all for something that, that, that means a lot to you. So I, I agree with you there. Are you live? That's what you said, dot .com or? Are you live? Yes, sir. It's an application. got to download it. Um, I'm not too savvy with the, with the technology, so I don't know the intricate details, but I know if, uh, if you go to areyoulive.com, it gives you like a walkthrough on what you got to do and what not to do. Okay, cool. And uh, as for Ben Askren on July 6th, man, how do you visualize the fight playing out? Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess you're going to repeat 14 and 55 seconds of uh, of ass beating and then a finish. Yeah, man. Um, I won't be happy unless I, I, I make that guy do the stiff board, you know. I want to leave him rotten stiff on the frown. And uh, that's that's what I'm going for, man. I want to take that dude's soul out of his body, you know. So that that's what I'm aiming to do. And Ben's aiming for my leg and, and to dry hump it, you know. Good luck with that, man, because it's not happening, my brother. <laughs> All right, Game Brad. Always a pleasure speaking with you, man. I hope to, I hope we can get you back on the show much sooner rather than later this time around. In conclusion, for all the fans out there supporting you right now, and for all the haters as well, what would you say? What would Game Bread leave us with for uh, for his final thoughts? Go buy a T-shirt, man. Go buy Game Bread official. Go buy a T-shirt, your boy. Your boy. You know, TV says a lot of things, and the internet says a lot of things about how much money we make. At the end of the day, we don't make that much money. So, you want to show some love, Game Bread official. If you're gonna buy this shirt, I'm not forcing nobody to buy this shirt, but if you're gonna buy this shirt, go there. Don't don't let these bootleg people get you, man. <laughs> and before we let you go, any any shout out, sponsor plugs, uh, anything you want to say that the floor is yours, bro. So my biggest sponsor always. God Almighty, this journey's been amazing. Win or lose, I've I've had the greatest life I think I possibly could have had. So I'm just happy, man. This journey's been an amazing one. Um, a lot of love to BJ Penn. You guys always uh, hook me up, take care of me. Though I'd be going missing on everybody. You guys always reach out to me and give me a lot of love. So thank you guys always, man, for putting up with me. Hey, man, it's our pleasure. It's it's well worth a little bit of you going ghost to, to have a great conversation with you like this. So, you know, the love is mutual. Greatly appreciated. Again, thanks for the time today, man. Let's catch up again soon. Have a great training camp and good, look, good luck this weekend against Anthony Pettis. Thank you, sir, man. You guys have a great day, man. You too, buddy. You guys have heard me sing the praises of Game Bread time and time again. But I'll tell you what, he truly is a fighter's fighter. A fan favorite. And I always enjoy the opportunity to speak with him. Make sure you guys tune in for the grappling match this weekend against Anthony Pettis. As you heard Game Bread explain, it is for charity and a great cause at that. I know I'll certainly be tuning in. And of course, July 6th, the showdown with Ben Askren. I know you guys will be watching that card anyway. But go out there, buy a t-shirt, support our man Game Bread. Much love to him. And I'm sure we'll catch up again, maybe before the fight or after the fight with Askren on July 6th. But let's move on to another fan favorite, another fighter's fighter. Set to compete on August 2nd in Manila, 4-1 championship coming up next bjpen.com radio the fighter's voice the underground king eddie alvarez all right pen nation please welcome back to the show the philadelphian scrapper known as the underground king the one and only eddie alvarez 
pleasure to be speaking with you again, Eddie. How you doing today, man? Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. How's it going, man? I can't complain. A little bit rainy out here. How's the weather down there? Uh, yeah, dreary. Not the best training day. Yesterday we had a good sunny one. I was out by the pool, but um, today not so much. Right. <laughs> now it's uh, hard work down with the boys in New Jersey today, right? Um, yeah, I was with Mark this morning. So I was with uh, Coach Mark in the morning. And then I'm, uh, right now I'm headed over to, uh, I'm going to head over to Cherry Hill uh, to TKO, TKO um, Fitness over in Cherry Hill with my, with my guy, uh, Ryan Gaffaro. Cool, cool, very good. Now, it was announced earlier this week that you'd be turn, returning to action on August 2nd in Manila at one championship, Donna Heroes, against former champ Edward Foley-Yang. Very exciting a matchup indeed. But before we jump into that, man, I wanted to touch on your promotional debut and that eye injury you sustained in March. Pretty gruesome image to see after the fight, and obviously not the promotional debut you were looking for. However, it is part of the game. What was the recovery like for you after getting stitched up and all that? Um, surprisingly, it wasn't. It didn't take real long. The eye was quick. Um, I got home. I think uh, it was maybe like a two or three week timetable, and my eye was back to normal again. Um, it was. A, it was honestly, uh, to be completely honest, it was scary. The night. The night off was a scary night for me because, um, you know, you ne- you never want to get an injury and start thinking, um, is this going to be the one? Because it's always in the back of every fighter's head, like, uh, that we can be damaged sometimes to the point of no return. But, uh, this was, this was a scary one. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. And, uh, you know, God was on my side. I was, I was blessed. Yeah, you know, that, that segues into my next question perfectly. You're no stranger to taking some damage in your career, but it seems like that left eye has been through quite a bit over the years. Was there any concern of, of serious issues following the split eyelids, no issues with vision or anything like that? No, I, we went back and got checked. I twenty twenty vision. There was no um, no detached retina. I never, I never had my retina detached, knock on wood. Um, I never had anything of an eye injury outside of just like lacerations and stitching and things like that um this one in particular i um detached my choroidal i think it's called which is a a piece uh of the outlining or or maybe a small part of the retina but uh it was really just like a 10-day wait no surgery no nothing like that and uh back to normal well very good to hear very good to hear I know you talked. Uh, you've talked about what went wrong with the fight uh, against Tim O'Fay in other interviews, but but I feel like it was a prime example of the fact that there are literally no easy fights in this game. I'm sure you'd agree with that. No, I, I and I, I've never been. I've never been one to ever say that. I've been the guy coming from a virtually unknown prom- promotion or a belt holder of a promotion that was virtually unknown who always believed I was the best lightweight in the world, regardless of who I fall for or where I was at. And um, I'm a believer that the best the best fighters in the world are virtually unknown. Right. Um, there, there's, great, there's great fighters everywhere. I know that. I know the dangers of that. And, um, you know, uh, that, that's, just the way, that's just the way things go. 
So with all that behind you, now you're looking to bounce back and make a big statement in Manila against Edward. He's a talented guy, former champion with the promotion. You must be very excited for this fight, man. Yeah, look, um, I, I never, I never won an easy fight. I mean, the, most, the majority of guys will say, "Oh, um, I just, um, just lost. Let me work my way back up." Like I've been in this game so long, my only one desire is for the one championship title, and this guy's held it not once but twice already, and. Um, you know, so he's he he's he's their guy, and I'm going to his home turf. I'm going to the Philippines, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take him out in front of his home crowd. Yeah, uh, to, to stick with what you're saying there, he just dropped the belt to Shinya Aoki, a guy you have a history with that you mentioned to me before. You know, Aoki is a guy that that's on your radar within one championship. But that being said, man, a dominant win over Fola Yang, that's exactly the kind of opportunity at redemption that you're looking for, right? That's it. My, my attention, look, I get the first one out of the way, I lost, no problem. I do the same thing in the UFC, and I, and I honestly almost did the same thing in my debut of Bellator. Um, I got dropped terribly in my debut in Bellator against uh, an Irish kid that no one knew. Um, I got caught pretty clean. I, I bounced back and got the win, but um, I'm not, not a not a big fan of my debuts, put it that way. So it's <laughs> right. good to get it out of the, get, get it out of the way, get it past me, and now I can go now I can go uh, full on, go undefeating straight to the belt. Right. Uh, give us your thoughts on Edward and, and you know how you guys match up stylistically. Have you followed his career much? You know, what do you think about him as an opponent? He's incredibly tough, incredibly durable. Uh, a wushu, uh, I don't want to say um, World world champion over and over. So, um, in his select art, the guy's legit. I mean, Wu, Wushu is kind of, and and I understand the power of Wushu because you know that the guys I train with and uh, Zabit and um, a lot of the a lot of the Russians that come over to spar with us in Jersey, they're all from a Wushu background. So, the art is for real. It, it applies very well to MMA. And um, I'm looking forward to the toughest Edward Fulyang that, that he has to come. So, um, and, and it's in his hometown. So uh, I'm looking forward to a tough opponent. And I'm, I'm viewing the fight as one that I absolutely have to finish. I'm not, I am not coming in for a decision. I expect to lose if, if it goes to decision. So um, I have every intention to finish. Now, you had a pretty amazing quote on your Instagram recently in regards to this matchup. You had said you didn't kill a king well, in regards to, you know, your last fight going into this matchup. You said you didn't kill a king. You pissed off an empire. Obviously, that speaks volumes to your motivation going into August 2nd. But is that the mantra for this training camp, restoring the empire of the underground king? Pretty, I mean, <laughs> in, my, in my eyes, there's nothing to nothing to be restored true um, true I, I i am who i am i, I never define myself i've won number of world championships i never define myself by them i go out there and i, I give it my all every time but um i think every once in a while it's good to take a loss and put the put the fire back in your belly and um i think it's a good time to have that sometimes you need that fire 
to burn long enough to get to that world title. <laughs> yeah, in that post you talked about the ups and downs of combat sports. You said how failure is common practice in your line of work and how you need to learn to lose before you can understand how to win. That was all very cerebral stuff to me, to say the least. Do you feel like fate gave you another I, obstacle? I, I, Go ahead. I, I wasn't speak. I wasn't speaking of fighting when I learned how to fail. I was speaking of my my childhood. I was speaking on my upbringing. Like uh, where where I'm from, if you just Google Kensington, not a not a good place. Nobody does well that comes from there. Um, it's the heroin capital of the world in Philadelphia. It's, it's uh not a, it's not a it's the elephant graveyard of places so it's and it's very common to just either grow up in drugs whether you're doing drugs or selling drugs or not grow up and be anything so i i understood what it's like to be dire i've seen it my a huge part of my life i've seen it so um and that was way before i ever learned how to win in sports or win in anything I just seen a lot of failure, so not it's not anything new to me. It's not something like shit I lost or shit. Um, I, I don't know how to deal with this. I've been dealing with this forever, so I don't. It's kind of like uh, okay, everybody else is taking this a lot harder than what it should be taken. It's kind of I look at it as it's a byproduct of trying to find my own greatness, you know. Right, right, right. Well, the, what I was gonna say was, you know, do you feel like fate? gave you another obstacle to, to overcome and more doubters to prove wrong in this new chapter of your career. Absolutely. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like, the, I didn't like the feeling anyway. You know, I've, I've, I've done a lot. I've accomplished a lot, but uh, go, going in, I felt like everybody was already giving me a lot of respect. I went over there. Um, everybody was like, like expecting so much. And I, I never liked that. I kind of am a type of person. I want to earn. I want to earn my respect. I want to earn my keep. And I didn't like that. I was already getting it, and I did nothing for it. You know. So, um, kind of, uh, I guess, getting a loss put the pressure off, and now I can go about my way and, and head to, toward the world title. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, like with the UFC career, came in, took took the L, and then went on to do great things. There's no reason you won't do exactly the same here with one championship, right? That's the goal, man. Um, I don't, I don't see it going any other way. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. This matchup in particular, I feel like this guy's such a hard nosed, tough fighter. This could, this could, this could be a fight of the year, but, um, just my attitude and my, my, my mentality going into the fight. I like to feel that, that my back's against the wall. I do really well there. I don't. I don't like to feel respected. I like. I like when people think uh, think a certain way, whether it's negatively or whatever, and um, and then I get an opportunity to shock them well. Right. You you relish that underdog role. I do. I do well in that, and uh, I mean, this is going to be the ultimate one, the, the thriller in Manila. <laughs> uh, going 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 to going to the Philippines. Fighting the uh, the Filipino king and Edward Fuliang and uh, you know taking another head, taking another skull. Now, some people have speculated that one championship, the matchmaking, is purposely tried to build some momentum on the backs of the Western talent they signed, like yourself or most notably Sage Northcutt. 
Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree, uh, disagree with that. And as I said earlier, there are no easy fights in this business. However, on the flip side, it does build the legitimacy of the one roster to Western fans. I- I'm wondering, how do you see it? And do you feel like Demetrius and yourself, do you guys have even more more to prove now going forward with the Asian fans and athletes? I don't look. I don't. I never went to one for for easy layoffs. That's how I went to one. Right. Um, when you look at one, when you look at one's roster, you're going to see world champion after world champion in their respected art. Like that's just how it is. There's a ton of them all over the world. Not you know Russia, um, uh, Asia, all over the world. There, there, they have 160 world champions there. You're not going to get an easy matchup. You're dealing with world champion. There, my my weight class is full of world champions in different in their respected arts. So, I didn't expect a layup, and um, I don't think anybody else should in any promotion. When it, you're talking about the top five guys anywhere in any promotion, you're going to deal with killers, and um, that that's what they have over there. I don't think it's a east west thing. I don't. I think it's fighter. It's a fighter fighting another fighter, whether. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I sincerely don't feel that. And if, if if people feel that's an agenda, that's odd because it's really up to the guy. It's up to me to win. Not up, not, even if the if the promotion wants the the other fighter to win, it doesn't matter. I have a whole different agenda. My agenda is always for me to win. Right. No, I I completely understand where you're coming from, and I would agree with you. I just feel like the Western fans you know, because they're unfamiliar with all of these great champions from the East, they've kind of written off all of that competition for guys like yourself and Demetrius. They expected you guys to go in there and steamroll everybody, which is not only unfair to the to the champions over at one, but it's also really ignorant to think that, like you're saying, there's not world-class people all across the globe. They're, they're everywhere, man. And if people, if people don't understand that by now, it's silly because, I mean, I'm the guy. I, I'm the guy. I, I went from from dream of being no one to Bellator to uh, to UFC. I'm that guy who never who never signed with the UFC and end up winning the UFC title. I always and I, and I always said for years I'd be UFC champion. I don't. I'm the guy who fights for other organizations who is unknown, who had the ability to win a world title in in many major organization so they're everywhere man yeah absolutely man listen changing gears here for a moment last time we spoke you would praise the weight cutting policy of one championship uh and you had said that you wish the rest of the mma world would adopt the same policy could you see yourself maybe leading the charge here in the states to enact those kinds of changes for other promotions um it's i mean it just a fight week. I know is a lot, lot more pleasurable. I'll tell you that. It's just uh, <laughs> very difficult. Fight week is, um, you know, it's all smiles. You, you get to train the way you want to train. Um, you're fully hydrated. The fights are more explosive. You know, it's probably, probably going to end up being more knockouts. The guys are uh, guys are more explosive because they're fully hydrated. Um, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't see there really being a better way than fighting fully hydrated. So, I think that there's still things that, that you know need to be done here in the United States for for that to happen. Because we we have a system here that's 
get on forever. So you can't just go changing things. But, uh, you know, I loved it. I, lo- I loved the, the week of the fight, I'll tell you that. There was no, there was no suffering. It was, all, it was all smiles. Right. Well, th- that's the reason I ask. You know, a guy that's experienced both and now enjoying the, the, the policies of one and, you know, feeling that they're so much more beneficial to the athletes, I mean, if given the opportunity, would you try to spearhead something, you know, to, to, to force some change in the States for the fighters? Um, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> like, I, if I try to spearhead anything, it's going to be fighters. I, I don't want to deal with a weight, weight issue. Like, I never, I never truly believed that weight was the, was the reason got more lost fights anyway. Um, I don't think I don't think weight is the determined issue whether a guy wins or loses. I think mean, it's more this the spirit of the athlete, the spirit of the fighter, and his, and his willingness to win. If I spearhead anything, it's going to be about fighters getting paid more money for what they do. Right, right. No, and that's that's an issue that's been near and dear to my heart for many years. So I, I'd I'd much rather get on board with that, you know, than 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 hydration. That's for sure. But just to stick with hydration for a second, you know the. It's a much more sensible program. I, I know that's how you yeah. feel about it. Uh, does it have to get worse here in the States before it gets better from your point of view? I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, in, in regards to hydration, I know you're you're really behind one's program, but I'm wondering, in regards to the States, does it have to get worse before it gets better, before they decide to make some changes in regards to hydration? Does something terrible need to happen before they decide to make those changes? Yeah, I think so. I think usually that's with everything, right? There needs to be a immense amount of pain for anybody to 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 create any kind of change. There needs to be uh, something drastic happen, and then someone come in and and make a change. But I don't know what more drastic things can happen. I mean, guys' kidneys are failing, uh, main events are dropping out, millions of dollars are being lost, fans are losing their 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 their, their flights, their hotels their tickets they're losing their main attractions that they came in to see it's happening multiple times a year so i mean i don't i don't know it's an easy fix right an easy fix and everybody wins if if the fighter's hydrated and he could be he can be the most explosive fighter he is able to be and you're not going to have any main events drop out because there is no weight cutting uh issues per se then the promoters win, the fighters win, and the fans win. Everybody wins. So, yeah, it seems like a no-brainer, right? It does. So it, it, it's a win-win all around. I, I I agree with you, man. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't take something worse to happen. But but I, I would love to see something similar to what one championship's got going on. Somebody adopted over in the states and and let it uh, blossom out from there. But. Uh, one more off-topic question here for you before we wrap this up. Obviously, Marlon fell short this past weekend against Cejudo, but uh, give us your thoughts on Frankie Edgar, his upcoming title fight against Max. A lot of fighters I talk to believe that Frankie is an incredibly tough matchup for Holloway. How do you see that fight playing out? Um, I just, look, the matchup between Frank and Max is it's, it's super interesting. Max been on a roll. Max, he's grown a lot. But I mean, when when you look at Frank's style and what he's done and who's who he's done it to in the past, it's hard to think that Max is going to be able to win win this fight. I don't I don't see how Max wins the fight. So um, 
I mean, both are crazy good competitors, but um, I'm I'm getting ready for uh, one of the biggest fights of of my my career. Frankie is getting ready for, and we're both in the same camp together. So the energy inside the building is what it is, and um, I don't know, man. I just don't see. I just know the competitor Frank is and what he wants to do, and there's not a when he when he's there. There's not a single dude uh, in that 45 pound class who can deal with him, and I and I really don't think it's going to be Max Holloway. Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that. Uh, my next question was going to be, you know, how beneficial it is for you and Frankie to be in camp together, peaking for your fights around the same time. I don't know how often that happens for you guys, but it must be incredibly beneficial for you both right now. It is. We're look. We're competitors, man. Before before Frank won his. UFC world title and and I've won mine or I've won any Bellator world title. Me and Frank been fucking going at it in the gyms years before that ever happened. So um, when he does well, I want to do well. When 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 he does extra rounds, I want to do extra rounds. Like we we compete, we we inspire each other, and we keep each other pushing. Both of us are you know we're over we're over thirty five years old and we're still competing in the gym and at the highest level of this sport. And I think a lot of it has to do with just me looking over at him, him looking over at me and saying, let's fucking do this. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It makes it a lot more enjoyable when you have someone like that around. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, but at the same time, you guys are clearly, uh, feeding each other's flames, if you will. Exactly. Right on, man. All right, listen, Eddie, you've been more than generous with your time. We greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, does a big win on August 2nd, does that allow you to skip the line of the guys in the Grand Prix for a title shot, in your opinion? And uh, how many times would you like to compete this year, assuming you stay healthy? I I started the year wanting to fight three or four times. So um, I'll fight in August, and then I'll want to I'll fight at least one or two more times before the end of the year. So... When I, when I joined one, the idea was to just get get busy, and uh, I probably already trained more this year than I have in in the past in a long time. Like I I put in more days, two a days, and uh, from the beginning of this year than than I have having a and quite a quite a bit. So I just want to stay busy this year and get better at fighting. That's all. All right, new motivation for the for the new chapter of your career, right? And yes, and yes, do I get to skip the line? Why not? I don't, I mean, is there a rule? Is there a protocol? If if there is, can someone tell me? I, I don't know. <laughs> they, they, just, they just allowed, um, they just allowed uh, Christian Lee to fight Chinioki for a world title, out of, I mean, out of nowhere. So if there's a protocol, then I'll follow it, of course. But if there's no protocol, then yes. A big win over the ex-champion, and then uh, then I fight, you know, fight another tough competitor, and then then who knows what. But uh, my my eye is on on the on the on the uh, on the belt. Right, and for the task at hand, for the moment, how do you visualize the fight playing out with Edward? Um, I I, I think my I think my wrestling can be overwhelming for him. Um, he has a decent uh, wrestling defense, like. He's he has good he's a good athlete, but I mean he's a he's a wushu fighter. He's been fighting in wushu his whole life, 
and you can't, you cannot develop a, a wrestling defense overnight. It takes a long, long time to develop the, not just the conditioning, but the, um, the way your body moves in order to defend, defend the wrestling. And um, I think just mixing it up. I'm not, I'm not going to be any one fighter. We have to wrestle. We have to kick. We got to punch. We got to do all three and keep them guessing. And uh, when I do that, I fight my best. When I, I just do all three. I'd be the best. I'd be a mixed martial artist. All right, man. And in conclusion, for all the fans out there, all the supporters, and for all the doubters as well, tell everyone why the Underground King is just getting started with this new chapter in his career, and why the best is yet best is yet to come from Eddie Alvarez. I don't. I look. I. I um, I just thank all the fans out there who understand fighting, who understand that it's not about one one in particular fight. Um, it's easy to win when you fight once a year. When you fight, it's easy to win when you fight twice a year. When you're when you're consistently over twenty years, fighting three four times a year, you're gonna lose some. So I have a I have a little bit of a more long term vision, and I hope the rest of my kings at the round table understand my vision, and uh, it's about going out there, uh, getting better as a fighter, competing at the highest level, and, and getting as many belts in, in the meantime as possible. All right, man. That, that's word spoken of a true underground king there. Uh, any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Just Venom. Venom, uh, they're, they're my sponsor. Um, Dice Wallet always looks out for me and, and venom uh i think i think in august we're having our uh our, our first uh underground king uh clothing line coming out like it's going to be full out full out apparel um training gear everything so um, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that we got uh we got the underground king um we got a patent it we got like uh i don't know i don't know how you call that but the patent. No one else is allowed to use it. Only I'm allowed to use it. So, um, our first official um, line of, line of clothing, the UGK uh, line, is coming out in August. That's amazing, man. So you got is everything all set up and you know like uh, close to launch, or is there still a lot of work to do for that? Yeah, no, I believe the designs are all set and everything like that. They're just uh, they're putting our they're we were picking out like uh, different designs, and I think they were all approved like about a month or a month and a half ago. And uh, from there, uh, we're, we're just got to get it, got to get it produced, got to send it and get it produced. Right. Wow. That's amazing, man. I'm very much looking forward to that. So the, it'll be the UGK clothing line. Yeah. Underground King. Awesome, man. All right. Again, greatly appreciate your time today, Eddie. Looking forward to the fight on August 2nd and all your continued success. Hopefully we can catch up again soon. Have a great training camp, and uh, best of luck in Manila, man. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. You have a great day. You didn't kill the king. You only pissed off the empire. What an amazing quote from Eddie. Again, that was on his Instagram. As I said earlier, just like Gamebred, a fighter's fighter, a fan favorite, a guy who, when you hear he is competing, you always want to tune in. So make sure you do on August 2nd as he takes on Edward Fola Yang in Manila for one championship. Also, very cool to hear that the Underground King clothing line will be launching soon. Make sure you guys stay on the lookout for that. 
And again, support these fighters. And big thank you to Eddie for joining us yet again. I'm sure we'll catch up with him closer to the fight, if not after August 2nd. But let's keep it moving like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Closing out this episode. Number one ranked featherweight in the UFC. Joining us from down under, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show the number one ranked featherweight in the UFC and the rightful contender for the UFC title, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Pleasure to be speaking with you again, Alex. How are you doing today, man? I'm very good, man. I'm very good. How are you? I can't complain, man. It's it's getting to be summertime out here, so the weather's beautiful. Uh, you know, ah, nice barbecues and all that. Life is good. Yeah, it's always good, mate. Good barbecue yeah, on a summer's day. Nothing you, like it. You know it. You know it. Listen, first and foremost, man, I've got to ask about the foot. You ended up uh, with a very serious blood infection after the fight. It sounds like a flight layover in Chile was your saving grace, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty crazy to to see something miraculous come of a flight layover. Yeah, yeah, it was just the uh, yeah, man. It was it's all good now, but I mean, it was just yeah, I guess just the timing with it all. Like straight after a big win, last thing you want to do is be sitting in a hospital bed. But you know, a couple of days later, because I stayed the next day, like usually we leave the next day after the fight, but uh, we stayed one day to just check the place out, and then we left the following day. So. The next morning, I pulled up sore because I was uh, obviously kicking with that left leg, you know what I mean? So it was bruised and a bit tender from kicking his knee, you know, just uh, really low on the shin. And um, so I saw the next day and swollen. I didn't think nothing of it. And the day after that, again, I was like even a little bit more painful and more swollen. And I had redness and I was like, why is it bloody red? Like it should be going purple. But um, I was even thinking, could that be infection or something? I was like, nah, you know, it's just a bloody just a bruise or part of the healing. So I didn't think much of it. And then went on the first flight and started feeling pretty, pretty funky. And then, uh, that second flight, it just hit me, mate. I was on like 40 plus degree fevers and just, I was delirious, mate. I was, I was out of it and just, I knew I had to see a doctor cause I felt the, my glands on my hip or whatever you call them. So that was swollen and sore. And I knew, oh no, I've got a, I've got an infection. I need to see a doctor. Now you would initially just thought it, it was bruising from the fight. Uh, and and that first plane ride that really seemed to kickstart your symptoms, get them into high gear. Yeah, well, even before that, actually, I, was, I remember I was at the airport about to leave, and I started feeling a bit like shitty in the guts and that, and I was thinking, what am I dehydrated or something? So I started drinking water, had something to eat, thinking I might need something to eat, and then that made me feel a little bit better. And then I was like, wasn't thinking much of it, and then just kept coming and going. And then that second flight is just when it just hit me really, really hard. So the fever really stuck around and obviously the fever was really high so it made me feel pretty miserable yeah I, I but know you, uh you know you you had kind of you'd kind of shocked the world saying that you know you were close to losing your leg i mean how close were you to, to actually losing an appendage over this yeah look it was, that's probably you know in the translation of like sort of telling the story you know some people might have uh ran with that story a little different but obviously <laughs> you know <laughs> so we were like it was a cellulitis and um like you know obviously i got onto it pretty late like you know again i just thought it was a swollen and, and red from you know so if if it was nothing there and then all of a sudden it was swollen and red i would have went to the hospital earlier and then you know you would have you would have gone on top of it pretty quick uh you know your antibiotics would have kicked in really early but 
you know, got onto a bit late, so it really swelled, swelled right up, and I worried about it getting into my, my ligaments and tendons and all that, and lucky enough we got on it just early enough where it didn't. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get the antibiotics, and we're, the antibiotics were trying to, well, we were using, you know, weren't really working straight away. It took a little while, but then, it, it, you know, it was enough time where it didn't actually get in the tendons and ligaments. And then when that happens, you can have serious problems. Right, right. So, uh, uh, cellulitis, like you said, it wasn't like you stepped on something down in Brazil or anything like that. It was... Nah, nah, I don't think so, mate. It was uh, nothing nothing like that. I, I couldn't tell. Like, this could be so many different things, you know. Like, it could have just been from, you know, obviously people are like, oh, didn't Aldo have an infection not long ago and stuff like that. Um, it could have just been from cuts in my foot and bacteria getting in there and even from the bruising from my foot. Um, there's a chance of, it, you know, like going through the bruising because the, the skin's uh, weak, you know. Right, right. Well, regardless, all is well now and you're back to training, correct? Yeah, back to training, mate. I'm, I'm actually on the physio bed right now getting uh, warmed up and ready, getting loose before my next session. Very good, man. Very good. Now, getting to the performance, what a performance it was against Aldo in his backyard. You pushed the pace as you always do, and it seemed that Jose was was weary of your power from the opening bell. How happy were you with the outcome, and, and did everything go to plan? Yeah, well, it's, you know, you know, beating a great, you know, greatest featherweight of all time is is unbelievable. So that you know, that was an unreal feeling. But you know, the game plan just worked really well. Uh, you know, we knew. Uh, what, where we could, uh, you know, trouble him. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, he couldn't pull the trigger or he just didn't. You know, was, that was our, our doing, you know, my doing, uh, a lot of my fakes and movement. And, you know, I just had him adjusting the whole time. And before he knew it, he just couldn't pull the trigger. So it went well. It went well, you know what I mean? Like, that was a well-executed game plan. You know, he barely landed much at all. It just, you know, I don't think anyone's ever done that to him, you know. So, again, he's never felt like that in the cage. And, again, that was my doing. Right, right. Like, uh, like uh, the the analogy that comes to mind is fish out of water. So, you know, people people saying that he didn't pull the trigger. In reality, everything that you were doing was stifling his offense. Exactly right. And if you watch that closely, you'll see it. Right. Now, did he do anything in there that surprised you at all? Um, uh, well, surprised. I just thought that, look, again, I knew I'd get into my rhythm and I knew these things would work. I actually didn't expect it to work straight away. So these things that, uh, you know, we game planned and, you know, my movement and all that. And it was just literally from the get-go, he was adjusting exactly how we wanted to. He was reacting exactly how we wanted to. But I thought later on he would uh, start to maybe, like, you know, get a little desperate. And, you know, when things aren't going his way, just just fire for the sake of it because, you know, he's behind and just, you know, a bit maybe ego get to him or something like that and frustration and, and he would, you know, throw, throw a couple of silly things and i would have capitalized on it sorry about all the weird noises mate like i said i'm on the physio bed so <laughs> no, no, no no worries no worries <laughs> you're probably thinking what's going on here mate you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> having a little fun after a big win <laughs> yeah <laughs> so was there any doubt at the end of the fight that that you would won on the scorecards did you have any second thoughts that the fight might have gotten screwed over by the hometown judges it seemed like jose uh, when they were when they were calling, you know, making the announcement, he thought that maybe he might have might have taken it. Yeah, I don't know how he thought that. Obviously, I watched the tape and his cornerman was saying that yeah, maybe he had a couple of rounds and stuff like that. I don't know, you know, how they actually thought that. But you know, it's you are in Brazil and 
you never know with judges. And obviously the crowd's going nuts. Like you, Aldo was throwing punches that were not even close to landing and the crowd would just erupt. And, you know, that can definitely persuade the judges. And even though the crowd and the commentators, you know, like it was. Like I said, I watched the tape and you could see people like, whoa, yeah, even the commentators going, oh, yeah, nice body shots. Clearly missing by, you know, miles. But at the same time, that could have persuaded the judges, but it didn't. So that that was that was good. Right, right. At the end of the day, it, it went the way it was supposed to. Uh, some guys in, in Aldo's shoes, you know, legends of the sport, if you will, they carry a bit of a mystique with them. But, that you know, I know you gave him a ton of respect going into the fight, but that did not seem to affect you at all. You went in there and got business done against arguably the best featherweight of all time, like you said earlier. Yeah, exactly, man. You know, I'm, I'm like I said from before the before the fight that, you know, these things don't really really phase me. Obviously, it's Aldo. I'm going to be in his hometown. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you're going to deal with this. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm the perfect man for this. Like, I'm literally – I just – adapt to whatever's in front of me i really do and um he's once i'm in the cage he's just going to be another body and you know i've got another job to do you know what i mean it's i'm really really good with things like that and you know i've got to show that i've always said it but at least uh, i got to go over there in brazil against jose aldo and actually prove it so you know i've always known i could do it but you know that was a proof that it really does not phase me absolutely man i mean just talking with you over the you know the past couple years and seeing your rise uh, to this number one spot you've always had this confidence and belief in yourself and every single time you go out there you get it done so uh you know my days of doubting you were far long gone but what was the experience like dealing with the hostile crowd um man i actually didn't mind it like so obviously we get you know you sort of expect to go on in like you're told you know they're going to be screaming you're going to die or bumble air um however you say that like so i knew that going in so i was ready for it but, you know, again, I, I knew I'd be all right. But once I was doing it, I really, man, I, I was thriving off it. I really was. I've had a big smile on my face and it, it it gave me energy, really. You know, I was using that using that as energy. And it, like, yeah, it just got me keen. And then, like, even the weigh-in, like, that was, I guess that was a good warm-up. So that happened and I, I loved it. So after that, I was like, oh, yeah, no drums. I'm not going to care one, once we fight because it seems to give me energy, if anything. <laughs> so during the fight when they're, when they're chanting, you're going to die, you were just taking that as motivation. Yeah, exactly. While I'm fighting, I don't hear it. But as I'm walking out, right? You know, they, you know, I, I had a, I had some guys flipping me off and stuff like that, and I, I'm just laughing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just a, yeah, it's a, it's a good fun. Be all a part of the process, and it just added to the victory, really. But again, you know, they could throw a bottle at my head. You know what I mean? And once I'm, I'm in that octagon, I'm perfectly, you know, focused on on the job in hand. Right, right, and like you said, it only adds to the adds to the victory that you did it in the in the hostile crowd in Jose's backyard. Uh, but with that win, you became the number one contender. And as I said earlier, the rightful next challenger for the title. However, the UFC had different plans and decided to book uh, Frankie Edgar against Max Holloway on July 27th in Canada. Did you see that coming? And, and what was your re- uh, initial reaction to that news? No, I didn't see it coming. But, you know, look, it is what it is. I can't, you know, I'm not going to... Uh dwell too much on it you know i always try and stay positive in whatever situation obviously i was dirty on it you know uh, whether that decision was made before we even fought you know that you know it seems to be but maybe it wasn't you know I, I don't know what it is but at the same time i'm expecting a i was expecting a fight later this year anyway so they can fight and then even if i fight 
before the year's out. You know, I've got, I've got a couple of goals that I want to do before the year's out, and that's one more fight because I always want at least three fights within the 12 months. Or, and, and sorry, and I want that belt. So, you know, I, I can still tick the, uh, those goals off the, off my list for 2019. I just, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. But, hey, I'm staying ready. You know, I'm here training. Uh, I'm pretty much in camp. So I'm going to be going to Canada, and I'll be ringside watching. But if someone's injured, I'll be on weight ready to fill in. Awesome, awesome. So the July 27th date, would that have worked for you and your team, or were you guys even offered the fight? It sounds like they had, like you said, they had this idea uh, before you even got in there with, with Jose. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, nah, that wasn't uh, brought to us at all. Like I said, we just heard that was happening. Obviously, with Dirty, manager obviously, you know, told him, like, you know, you know what, what's going on here, you know what I mean? But, you know, it is what it is. And then, you know, we just eventually told him, look, where we'll stay ready if there's an injury we're going to fill in so you know i'm always uh i'm healthy all year round like you know i'm always fight fit all year round and my weight's pretty good all year round so i'll go in there prepared so if uh, someone's injured i guess they draw on the short straw because then they're going to have a harder matchup in me <laughs> <laughs> now aside from the obvious fact that uh frankie has never fought max why do you think the UFC decided to go in that direction? Do you think anything to do with marketability and Frankie being a household name? Was that the factor, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, that's always going to be a factor. You know, it is a UFC. It is a business. Um, you know, obviously, he has done enough in, in, in the past. Um, but, you know, obviously, he took that risk and, and you know, he, he got beat. You know, good on him for taking that risk. But, again, as I've always been saying, uh, you know, even since before the fight, it's called a risk for a reason. You know, you took the risk. You know, if if, if you're going to lose and get the title anyway, it's not really a risk, is it? So, but no, no, you hear that he was always promised the title after that anyway. So, look, again, if anyone's going to squeeze in a, a title shot uh, in b- before me, I'm glad it's Frankie because he, he does deserve it. He's a nice bloke. He's a top guy. And, uh, you know, he's been around. He's been good for the sport for a long time. So, good on him. Go do your thing. But, you know, I still want that belt by the end of the year. And... That's, again, I've got my, my goals, and that's another fight this year and the belt before the year's out. Now, you've told me several times that, that you've wanted to be the guy to dethrone Max. Looking in this matchup on July 27th, who do you expect to come out on top? Um, look, at this. look, I think uh, Max will get the job done, but in saying that, I still think uh, Frankie's going to give him problems. Uh, you know, unless uh, Frankie's fallen off so much, obviously it's been a while since he's fought, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's just... Obviously, he's, he's not getting any younger. So, it really depends on that, I think. But I know that, you know, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Frankie would have gave uh, Max some serious problems. You know what I mean? Again, you know, he's got a high pace. You're not really going to wear him out. He's usually got a good good gas tank. Um, high pace as well. And then he's got the wrestling to back it up. So, you know what I mean? That, that sort of style that Max likes to use, you know, I think Frankie could uh, definitely shut some of that down. And, uh, you, you know, I think Max will play into Frankie's uh, world as well. But, you know, Max is very high level and, and you know, he could he could definitely find, you know, he can adapt as well. So he could definitely find a way to finish Max, I think, or win a decision. But, you know, unless Frankie's fallen right off, I'm expecting a, a pretty competitive fight. And as I've said, you know, again, I'm not the cocky type, but if Frankie gives uh, Max uh, problems... I'm going to be uh, giving him serious problems. I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be one of the. Like I said, I'm. A, I think I'm a Max Holloway's worst nightmare when it comes to matchups. 
when it comes to cardio, we know I don't have a problem. When we come to pace, we know I don't have a problem. When it comes to power, we know I've got power and we know I can wrestle. So I ain't, I ain't an easy fight for anyone. And then for someone that has a style like Max, I think uh, you know I think I'm a very bad matchup. And I think Frankie could be a bad matchup, but it just depends on how he is. He hasn't been uh, too uh, he hasn't been fighting too much lately, and and he isn't getting any younger. So we'll see. Right, and and like you said earlier. Uh, God forbid one of these guys gets injured and, and, you know, they have to draw that even shorter straw fighting you. Uh, you know, you're, you're the, you arguably the toughest matchup for anybody in the division. Uh, but given the choice, uh, you know, obviously you have a ton of respect for Frankie. I'd imagine you would still prefer Max to win and fight him for the title. Yeah, definitely. Again, uh, you look, I haven't been one to talk about all my legacy and all this sort of stuff. I'm all about being successful and making money. You know, this is my job. Um, and you know, this is how I provide for my family. Obviously, I love the sport. It's just I'm lucky enough to, to have, a, have a job like this. But, you know, at the same time, you, you need to win to be successful. You need to win to make that money. So, you know what I mean? So, and beating someone like uh, Max, obviously it is good for the legacy. But, I mean, we're talking money. You know what I mean? We're talking people are really going to know who you are. And if I take out guys like Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo and Max, you could imagine, you know, and again, if Max wins, he's back in the winner's circle, he's back to everyone saying, you know, he's invincible and whatnot, I'd take him out. All of a sudden, I'm one of the best uh, featherweights of all time as well. You know, I'm getting thrown around in them conversations. So, and again, that means money. And that means I can provide for my family even uh, better. So, you know what I mean? That's what I'm, I'm all about. So, again, I'm not a type of guy like, oh, I'm doing this just for legacy. I'm doing this for my family. There's no bigger motivation than family. And I need a win to make that money. If I lose, that's four steps back, and I can't afford that. Right, right, right. I mean, legacy is important and all, but at the end of the day, like you're saying, man, it's prize fighting, and uh, you kind of need that that golden strap to, to, to make those big bucks. So uh, I agree with you there 100%. Uh, now, your plans to be cage side for the fight. Do you know if the UFC is going to have a camera crew on you kind of setting up the next fight? Um, well, well, I don't know what their, their plans are, but uh, they're, they're aware that we're gone. They're going to have me over there as a guest. They're on board. Look, mate, we're even talking to them, and they're saying, like, you know, hopefully they can, you know, nothing crazy happens in this fight. Oh, again, I don't want, I didn't want someone to get injured, but I'm there in case it happens. But you know, if they fight and they don't get injured in this fight, and they're happy to fight in the Australian card still, you know, that's still a chance. You know, that that even the U, you know, the UFC, uh, and even Sean goes, you know, that'd be that'd be ideal, that'd be perfect. But we just obviously need to see how this fight goes. So. The plans are for me to fight next. I'm still next in line, you know. They've made that pretty clear. And but I mean, I'm the type of person that I ain't gonna let opportunities uh, slip away. And who knows? With the, you know, with in this game, something could happen. Then all of a sudden, someone else is grass cutting, or someone else is cutting in front of me, and I don't want that. So if there's an opportunity there, I don't want to pass it, and then someone else get in and yeah, cut in front of me. So if someone's injured, I'm gonna be there ready. I'm gonna be on weight, and I'm gonna be ready to take that title. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you that. Uh, do you see any possible scenario where the UFC could, uh, you know, snub you again for this shot? I mean, as long as you're staying ready, doing everything by the books, there is no reason for you to not be the next guy, right? Well, exactly. Again, they've made it clear that's what they want, but I'm sure they've made it clear plenty of times for plenty of other people as well, and then things just don't go to plan. Right. You know what I mean? So, again, I'm going to stay ready. Even if, if there's an injury, like, again, I wanted to fight on that uh, Aussie card. And if I could, uh, um, you know, with uh, Izzy and uh, Robert Whittaker, 
you know, I would love to be on that card and, and fighting for the title. You know, that would just be huge for our part of the world. So even if I do get a, a late replacement on this fight, there's a good chance I'll fight the number one contender in Australia a, few, a couple of months later. I really uh, would, would, would do that. So, you know what I mean? It could, it could still uh, work uh, really well for me. Two title fights in a couple of months, that's some serious money right there. Let's do it. So the the immediate plan, just keeping busy in the gym, getting ready for a fight regardless of whether somebody gets injured or not, and uh, you're really gunning for that Australia card. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, it's nothing like fighting at home, and then fighting for a belt at home would be yeah, would be incredible. So, you know, again, like this is just things that I would like, but you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up with anything. You know, stay positive through this whole process, and again, I'm always fight. Like it's not it's not going to be too much of a burden for me to stay fight fit and on weight. Again, I, I like to be like this all year round anyway, so. It's not it's not too big too big of a deal for me. So we'll see we'll see how things go. Again, I don't wish any injuries on the guys. Hopefully they go in healthy. But if any of them's injured and uh, uh, you know interim all the belts up for grabs, I'm there. Now, uh, worst case scenario, if if one of these guys comes out of the fight, the winner comes out of the fight, injured, they're unable to compete in Australia. Would you take another fight just to just to compete? I don't know. Obviously, I don't want to wait forever, but at the same time, yes, I guess I'll just have to wait and see and see how serious the injury is. But obviously, I'm not going to wait around forever. I need to stay, uh, you know, I want to stay uh, active. But at the same time, you know, if, it's, if I need to wait a couple of extra months, I'll wait a couple of extra months. But, um, you know, again, I would love to fight again this year. If someone gets seriously injured, maybe we do that. Or maybe we fight for the interim title till the till they get a... So they get uh, back on their feet. Right, right. Now, completely off topic here before we wrap this up. Big story going into your fight with uh, Aldo was that your good friend rescheduled his wedding to ensure that you would be a part of it. How was the wedding? Mate, it was unreal. It was good to, it was good to make it. Actually, while I was in the hospital, I, was, uh, I sort of got the dates wrong in my head like, while I was there. So uh, I actually thought it was the following week. I'm like, man, like, I knew I will sort of make it, but sitting in the hospital bed, eating hospital food and not training. I started putting on a bit of weight. And uh, I remember, you know, we, we had to get measurements for, for a suit. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I was like, I ain't going to fit in this damn suit. Like, what the hell? But then luckily it was a week after that, you know, when I got home and then I had a bit of time to lose the weight and the weight comes straight off. So it, it was good. Now it, it was a great wedding, you know what I mean? So I nailed the best man speech as well. So it all went well. I know it. I, I've been in that. I've been in that position once before, man. Uh, what, what would you can comparing the pressure of a fight to that to that best man speech? How does it stack up? Oh, I guess it's two totally different things, you know what I mean. But again, man, I'm like, I'm really good in these uh, situations. I don't get too nervous with anything. So uh, you know, it's all it's all, uh, it's all fun. Obviously, you know, I guess there's always that little bit more pressure when you fight it. But I mean because you don't want to lose and lose half your paycheck and like I said, four steps back. But at the same time, I don't really get nervous. I can right, speak yeah, that, that was kind of a bad comparison, yeah. Hey? I was just saying that that, that was kind of a bad comparison to, to compare to yeah. fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, don't get me wrong. Some people would prefer to fight than do a speech, mate. I know plenty of people that would be like, mate, I can't do speeches. No bloody way, man. You know, and I've seen it. And guys that are, you know, usually the, like the – they're not shy at all. Some of the loudest guys. I remember one of my mates. He's like the, he's one one of the most out there guys you will ever meet. 
But I remember he had to do a speech, and I could not believe I've never seen him like it. He was just shitting his pants. Right. And, you know, some people are just like that. And like, literally, some people would prefer to fight in an octagon than <laughs> do a speech. But I, I'm easy with both. Well, I'm glad to hear it went well. Listen, you've been more than generous with your time, as always, Alex. We greatly appreciate it. Getting back to the inevitable crack at UFC Gold. Uh, assuming they come out healthy, you've, you've, you've uh, given the timeline hoping for that fight in Australia, that would be ideal. And and what a better way to take home a title than to do it in your own backyard, correct? That'll be perfect. And in conclusion, man, for all the fans out there, the supporters of yours who are eager to see you capture UFC gold, what can they expect from Alexander the Great for the remainder of 2019? By the end of the year, 100%. Awesome, man, awesome. Being pressed and everyone, everyone's going to be on board. Absolutely, absolutely. Arguably, Alexander the Great, arguably the greatest featherweight of all time, man. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Any shout-outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll get a couple of uh, yeah, uh, sponsors, some of the, my main sponsors. I'll get a Unibet, uh, Muscle Meals, uh, Central Hotel, uh, Baymed, uh, Freestyle Finders in my, my gyms, obviously City Kickboxing and Tiger Muay Thai. Um, Obviously, my main gym, I fight out of freestyle fight gym, but, I, you know, I do uh, some of my camps at Tiger Muay Thai and uh, City Kickboxing. So, shout out to all of them. All right. Always a pleasure speaking with you, Alex. Looking forward to our next conversation and that eventual title fight. Safe training until then, my friend, and you have a great day. No worries. Thank you. All right, brother. Have a good one. See you, champ. Later. As I said earlier in the show and right before that interview, I personally believe Alexander is the rightful number one contender. However, you heard it here first. He will be getting ready to step in should Max Holloway or Frankie Edgar get injured before this fight. He will be cage side. And we should all expect to see him challenge for that title before the end of the year. So big thank you to Alex. Big thank you to all of our guests. And thank you, Penn Nation, for tuning in, joining us yet again for BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. For everything you crave from the sport you love, BJPenn.com, we have got you covered, guys. Make sure you follow us on social media, bookmark us, hit that like and subscribe button. On behalf of the whole team, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Until next time, my friends, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace out, everybody.